0: There are many in this nation who are so adamant and obvious concerning their hatred of other races, and that would be any race that's not of white European descent. I don't believe it's the majority of US citizens who hold these feelings, but I do believe that a great number, if not the majority of these haters are Christians, or at least profess to be. Since hatred is so firm and rigid, In the hearts and spirits of these same people who loudly proclaim and boast on their Christianity, let's address this emotion that they will deny as hatred and prefer to identify as their stand for white Christian validated rights. Last week and again this week, God had me to share what I believe he's saying that he hates. In part one of that episode entitled, The Things That God Hates, I said that in naming the sins of this nation, I know that immediately, according to man's standards, number one would be abortion. I also mentioned that I believe that among the worst sins named by our great white Christian majority would be homosexuality, crimes against children, or even murder as some of the most atrocious sins that this nation deals with. Obviously, these are crimes that we all hate. But what does God name going beyond sin as abominations? What is it, if anything, that he says he hates? God says that idol worship is an abomination to him. What is an abomination? The word abomination is defined as an atrocity, disgrace, obscenity, and evil. According to the Strong's Hebrew definition, it's defined as something that's morally disgusting to God an abhorrence, especially idolatry or concretely an idol. God not only hates these things, he abhors them. Our iniquities, our sinfulness has placed a wedge between us and the Father. And this fact needs to be realized by those who harbor hatred and racism in their hearts and spirits. What we need to understand is that God doesn't hate what we hate. He doesn't find morally detestable, evil, or impure the same things that we do. What does God literally tell us? that he detests and look at as disgusting, atrocious, and obscene. Well, guess what? It's not abortion or even homosexuality. Now, will these sins cause those who commit them to have their part in the lake of fire? Yes, they will. But when reading Revelations 21 and 8, with all the things that will cause others to burn in hell and have their part in the second death, with the exception of one, God never says he hates them, and they are never referred to as abominations. Sins, yes, and those who commit them will suffer for them. But what about what God loathes? What's intolerable to him? What he hates? What does God say he hates? Since we're addressing this matter of hatred, and there are so many in the body of Christ, though denying it, are obsessed with this emotion, let's look at this from God's perspective. What God truly hates is what separates us from him, and those things are listed right in Proverbs 16 through 19. In the Amplified Bible Classic Edition, it reads, These six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, the spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies even under oath and he who sows discord among his brethren. In part one of this podcast, entitled The Things That God Hates, we talked about the proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. So what about the other hates of God? He hates a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. Who is the person or persons that sit and plot evil schemes against others? Who is it that has a heart that's so full of hate that they will literally spend time to devise strategies to hurt? harm, and suppress other races. What group of people sat together and designed gerrymandering that is still in place in many states, including Louisiana, the law that will not allow for a state that's one-third Black to have the proper representation in the Congressional Senate and House of their states and nations? Taxation without representation was the battle cry of American colonists who were being taxed by the British government during the 1700s. Fair representation was the purpose of succeeding from the British colonies. If that war had not been fought, this country would be much like many third world countries are today because of British rules. Yet, Nearly 300 years later, some of these descendants of those same patriots and many who have migrated here from other European nations are using that same unfair, unjust, racist ruling against Blacks. Who was it that set and strategized laws that were put into operation against Blacks, Browns, Asians, and Jews with the full intent and purpose to keep them subjected, poor, and uneducated? Who is the head of QAnon, Proud Boys, KKK, white nationalists, and the full-right Republicans, along with all the other white organizations that intentionally developed these schemes plant the thoughts into the minds and hearts of others with the full intent and purpose to suppress any people or nation that they don't approve of all under the guise of Christianity. Do they truly think that God is being deceived when they lie and say what they're doing is of God? When they do wrongs in the name of Jesus, does it make it right when God knows the heart of man? He knows all hidden agendas, ulterior motives, self-serving incentives. He knows the wrongs plotted and planned against other races because of hatred. And these things definitely do not give him his glory. What these people are doing, literally manufacturing wicked thoughts and plans is what God hates. Again, I want us to look at a particular word in this verse. Verse. In the King James Version, it reads, A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. The word deviseth is interpreted obviously as to plot evil. However, it's also interpreted as to keep quiet, be silent, or remain silent pastors, leaders, prophets, evangelists, and others who remain silent and refuse to speak up concerning these evil plots and plans are in the same sin. They are part of the same things that God hates and will burn in the same hell as those who actually devise these sinful, evil schemes that are hated by God. It's these people whose actions plots, and conspiracies that God hates, and yet they have been deceived, duped, fooled, and conned into thinking that they're doing the works of God. It literally leaves me shaking my head. As a young child, back in the late 50s and 60s, I remember, although it didn't happen often, but when it did, it was easy to know when something that we considered as big was going on. It was an easy matter of knowing about a car wreck or a New Orleans jazz funeral that would pass now and then because you could hear the sounds that carried in the quietness of the neighborhoods. We would run to the corners of where the sounds were coming from to stand and see what was going on more for the funerals than anything else, all the neighbors would come out because if it was a pass after the burial, then there would be what's called a second line and everyone would dance in the street. There was a rejoicing among the people celebrating the fact that another soul had entered into the kingdom of God. We knew what was going on and as children, we used our little feet to be swift in getting there to see and be a part of it we would run as fast as we could to the excitement. In the spiritual sense, the swift feet that run to evil also have their own type of excitement, but their excitement is an evil one. Proverbs 6.18 goes on to speak of feet that are swift in running to evil. Just as when I was a child, knowing that I was running to the second line, they are people who are fully aware of the evil that they are running to. And God is also fully aware of those same people who speak or swift in running. These people know what they're getting involved in, and they're excited and anxious to get there and take part. This is their reaction, one of excitement and enthusiasm when running to trouble, hurt, wickedness, and mischief. These same people would call their participation in these evil acts their civic duty, their patriotism, or even their moral obligation. Some just like the idea of tearing people's lives apart as they did on Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and other places. Ask any of those at the January 6th insurrection. From what I've seen and heard through news reports, about 100% of those there would say that they were protecting the constitution of this nation. They will say that they were doing their patriotic civic duty. But yet we all know there was nothing patriotic or dutiful about that day. People in riot gear, armed, breaking windows, running to evil. And they ran to that evil with the full intent and knowledge that they would be breaking in, tearing down, and destroying. They swiftly ran to that evil, yes, because Donald Trump told them to, but also because of the evil that was already in their hearts. They ran to tear down and not build up. They are those who are willing to tear apart this nation by calling for successions. They would rather see it torn apart than to work to bring it together as a whole, healthy, thriving nation under God. What else does God hate? God hates a false witness who breathes out lies. But wait, isn't a witness a person? Didn't I say earlier that God couldn't be a God who loves and hates his own sons and daughters? Did I not say that God hates the sin and actions of his sons and daughters, but not his children themselves? Yet, here it specifically says that he hates the witness, and the witness can only be a person. I said it before, and that remains unchanged. God cannot and will not hate his own children. However, once a person becomes a liar, then God is no longer their father. What did Jesus say in John eight forty four? You belong to your father, the devil. When a person becomes a liar, that sin separates them from God in such a way and to such a degree that that person is no longer a son of God. It's then that Satan becomes their father and God will not co-father with Satan. The Amplified Bible Classic Edition reads that one of the things that God hates is a false witness who breathes out lies even under oath. Even under oath. A false witness is an individual who has sworn before God to tell the truth and then intentionally lies. They are literally standing in the very presence of God saying to him, using his name as collateral, as a guarantee that they will tell the truth and then willingly lie. I must wonder how many Christians have sworn before God who have placed their hands on a Bible and promised, pledged and professed things before God because people were looking at them in a church, courtroom or somewhere else to tell the truth while knowing within their hearts that they were about to lie. They knew from the beginning that they had no intentions of keeping the word vow or promise that they were making at that time. What does Ecclesiastes 5 tell us? It's better not to make a vow than to make a vow, a pledge, a promise, and then not keep or pay it. How many wedding vows, how many agreements, pledges, whether financial or otherwise, were made before God and then not kept? How many laws were written to protect the rights of others and then totally ignored? How many pastors, preachers, teachers, and leaders in the body of Christ has sworn before the people that all people are created equal, and knowing in their hearts and spirits that they are racist? Was there ever repentance? When a president places his hand on a Bible, even if he's not familiar with Bibles, can't pronounce the names in it correctly, but yet swears to uphold the laws of this nation and all of its people on that Bible. And then after swearing before man and God, he intentionally does opposite. God hates it, he abhors it, and I assure you, God will deal with it accordingly. The last thing, and I should say person, that God says he hates in that chapter of Proverbs is the one who sows discord among his brethren. How can someone come into a church, come before God and bring strife and conflict? When racism is spread, encouraged, and even expected in the body of Christ, God abhors it. And according to what he says, he abhors by morally disgusting the person that does it. Remember the definition I shared earlier for the word devising? Let me repeat that definition. It means to plot evil. It also means to keep quiet, be silent, or remain silent. How can Christians be silent? remain silent, and keep quiet when discord is being sown in the body of Christ? How can they say nothing while knowing strife and conflict is being plotted and planned? How can Christians be quiet? How can pastors know that there are members, white members in their congregations who hate their black members and still remain quiet concerning that situation? How can Christians allow one man to turn their hearts and spirits in ways that God never intended? Last week, I heard a newscaster say with tears in his voice that the divide that has come upon this nation through the former president will take decades to repair. I can say the same concerning the church and body of Christ the damage and division that has been inflicted upon Christians through the racism that has been allowed to run rampant in the church will take decades to repair. And the worst thing is that the church, pastors, preachers, teachers, evangelists, and the leaders in the body of Christ not only allowed it They continue until this day to remain silent concerning it. They continue to refuse to to discuss the racism in the body of Christ. How dare someone come into the presence of God, or at least where his presence is supposed to be, into a place that represents his presence and begin to plant seeds of resentment and hostility against someone simply because they are black, brown, Asian, or Jewish, literally sowing discord among the brethren. How can someone plant a bomb in a church, bring a gun into a church, or even be the cause of fights breaking out in a church and others will not only defend their actions, but but then stand to their defense because of their pride, lies, bloody hands, and wicked thoughts they have and continue to sow discord among their brethren. How can someone implement hatred and aggression against the people simply because of their own insecurity and low self-esteem? It's because in the end, that's really what racism is all about. One's own insecurity, inhibitions, fears, and doubts. It's about their white pride. When one knows not only who they are, but whose they are, there is no need to tear others down in order to prove their own self-worth. God's hate is a holy hate, whereas man's is one of flesh and evil. God looks upon these things pride, lying, wickedness, running to evil, lying under oath, sowing discord, and all the rest as an abomination, as disgusting, unclean, and wickedly immoral. He sees things that he hates as revolting, filthy, detestable, and obscene. And having part in these things, keep those who practice them apart from God. The amazing thing is that what many are doing in their actions is assigning their deeds and works to the very things God hates to the name of God. Does one truly think that simply because they say it's God that it is? As stated earlier, God will not and cannot co-father with Satan. As I've stated in the past, Hatred and racism has been evidenced throughout the Bible. One might even say that the entire Bible is a book based on racism and God's deliverance, favor, and his love for those who are hated because of their race. Haman hated Mordecai and the Jews so much so that he gave money to the treasury of the king to have all Jews killed. That was pure racism. If all he wanted to do was lynch Mordecai, then it could have been said that it was a personal matter. But he wanted every Jew throughout the nation to be killed by other Gentiles. Mordecai's hatred was based on race and flesh. God's hatred is based on sin and character. It's understanding the difference between man's hatred and God's that will make the difference in one's life and where they will spend eternity. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. I ask that each of you would share this podcast with others and always remember that it's available for listening on every podcast server and app. I continue to ask you for your support through your prayers. You can contact me through my email at amiteagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at charter.net and through the Facebook post or Facebook messenger. Thank you again for your prayers and support and may God bless each and every one of you.